0: Drag him out of here. We'll say just like we do on Sunday night. Get out in Jesus' name. Get out in Jesus' name. Get out in Jesus' name, you demon. Get out. Drag him out. Drag him out. Anybody else want to play games before I get to preaching? Huh? You better go ahead and do it right now. Because it's going to be twice as bad here in a few minutes. You do it while I'm preaching. I'll take this microphone and bust you in the mouth with it in the name of God. Because we ain't playing your stupid Democrat games up in this church. You hear me? If you're going to play games, you might as well pull your shirt off and be a big boy and do it right now. Huh? Go ahead, big girl. Come up here right now. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it right now. If I'm making you nervous, there's the door. You can get out. Don't let the door hit you with the good Lord split you. You can get up out of this house right now. We ain't playing your games in this house. Get out.
1: Everybody. welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. I'm Casey. And Casey, I have... The, okay, so actually first, we may have Jeremiah joining us uh, shortly. Uh, he's technically on the call, but after he joined the call, he had to go handle flooding in his basement for the second time in the past hour. So uh, they're getting a lot of rain out by his way, and he is having to handle uh cleaning up a flooded basement so he's not here all he has right... is communion cups yeah <laughs> uh, he's not here right now but you may just hear his voice uh 15 minutes later or so um but uh so the, something happened to me the other night that i was like dying to tell you about because it threw me off so bad and was a very strange experience but um i figured i'd save it for now so um, it was two nights ago uh I was sitting outside, so I've been drinking less uh that's like my whole thing uh, I talk about that plenty of times, and I'm not always successful because it's just fun to you know I'm on summer vacation. it's really hard to just not act like every night is like a friday night um I don't wake up my kids sleep in dude, like I don't wake up my daughter uh she is Seven and she set an alarm to get up at nine this morning. So, like, and that's when she woke up. She woke up at nine and came into our room and woke us up. Like, so time is just like kind of an illusion at this point. And, um, uh, yeah, anyway, so I'm like, so two nights ago, I'm like sitting outside, uh, because I'm trying to drink less. Uh, uh, I've just altered substances. So I was getting, I was smoking some weed outside, getting high and ready to go to bed. I mean, I'm like about to go in and shower. It's like 1145 at night and my neighbor calls me and I don't hear from my, like We're me and my neighbor are like, we're cool. I love him. He's a great guy. Uh, but we don't like call each other and we, so, and hang out like that. It's not like he was like, hey, what's up? like?" If I'm getting a call at 1145, I'm like, what the, what the fuck is going on? Like it it was either a butt dial or it was something serious. Uh, so I answer the phone. I'm like, like ready for bed high. And he's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like instant starts out with like this kind of panic vibe. And, um, so my neighbor is, uh, my neighbor's Puerto Rican. And that's not relevant to the story. I just am racist and like to point out everybody's nationalities before I tell stories. Uh, My neighbor's uh, white. Um, no, I'm kidding. He's Puerto <laughs> Rican. He's got a, a Spanish <laughs> accent that is hard to understand sometimes, but it's specifically hard to understand when he's like, gets going. Like, I think a, some of the words he chose were Spanish words. Cause he's just like, his brain's going a million miles an hour. I'm like, trying to understand is it like his accent and it's harder over the phone like in person it's fine uh but over the phone i'm just like he's panicked he's like going off i'm like what the fuck is happening right now but what i gathered was so his kids just graduated high school and what i gathered was that one of his son's girlfriend who's she's always around the house and stuff i guess she's going to school to be come a, a barber or a hairdresser or something like that. Um, so what I gathered from his panic was that he was leaving for Puerto Rico with his kids at two forty-five that morning, uh, the next morning. So in a few hours, they're getting ready to hit the road to, uh, head to the airport to go to Puerto Rico. And he's like, wow, oh, my son's girlfriend, just like, she, She's at school to become a hairdresser or a barber, and she gave him a haircut. We're about to leave. My kids have never been to Puerto Rico before, and she fucked up his hair, man. She fucked up his hair. He, I cannot bring him around my family. He fucked up her. She fucked up his hair. Like, he's losing his goddamn mind. He's very upset. And he's so mad about it. And he... I. He's he's a guy who just swears incessantly all the time. Like my kids are around, and he's like, "Dude, this fucking loser, this fucking motherfucker." Like he talks like that, and my kids are just like throwing a ball right next to him with each other, and like it. I'm maybe part of it's like the English is a second language, like the it doesn't compute. Like he swears like that. You hear him screaming from his house sometimes when he like hurts himself or something like that, and you're like, he you just whatever it's like that's just who he is so when he calls me he's like swearing a bunch and screaming i'm like i can't tell if this is just him being him or if something's going on but he's upset and he's like man i need your eyes like i've never asked you for nothing i need a favor from you so bad he's like i i i I hate to do this to you man i just it's it's an emergency his hair looks fucking awful i need i need you to cut his hair man i'm like you want me to you want me to come? What do you, what the fuck (laughs) are you talking about? What prompted that? So I was like, what do you, you want me to, you're actually saying you want me to come over and cut your. Cause he's like, you don't have to come over. You don't have to come over, man. I'll meet you at the shop. I was like, what shop? He's like the shop, man, you know, the shop. And I'm like, okay, he called, he has, he definitely called the wrong person. And I'm like, man, I, I have no idea what you're, what you're talking about. like, are you sure you called the right person? And he goes, Oh, fuck. Is this my neighbor? <laughs> I'm,
2: like,
1: <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, man. This is Sam, your neighbor. And he's like, Oh, my God. The guy who cuts my hair is named Sam. I called the wrong Sam. Holy fucking shit, man. I'm so fucking sorry. He's like, Listen, man. I love you. You're a great guy. Can you keep an eye on the house while I'm gone? I was like, Yeah, that's, of course. I'll keep an eye on uh, the place while you're gone he's like all right oh my god he's like i feel so bad i didn't mean to scare the shit out of you you probably thought something was awful like awfully wrong i'm like yeah dude you scared the fucking shit out of me calling me 11:45. you you should (laughs) have just
3: rolled with it cut the kid's hair into like a fryer tuck sort
1: of (laughs) (laughs) he's like man this is the first time bringing my kids to puerto rico they're gonna meet like i think they've his family might have come out here but it's there's a good chance he hasn't really had family out here and his kids have never been back to visit uh where he's from. So he's like making the it's like a big deal for him and the fa- I and he get he gets his hair cut like I want to say like every week and a half, two weeks. It's like what he he just goes and does the whole like barber thing. Uh and he's so like for it's like really important to him to keep his hair fresh at all times and for his kid to come home the night before they leave for puerto rico with a fucking hack job on his hair set him off so bad <laughs> i've never heard him act that angry before but i'm like hi so i'm like terrified like paranoid dude my heart like dropped out my asshole i thought something awful had happened he's like i've when he starts going on i've never asked you for a favor i need your help right now i'm like He's asking me for something big and he needs me to bring him somewhere. Like this seems like a real problem. I don't know how to handle this. Like, I guess I'll go tell my wife I'm leaving to go deal with something for our neighbor, but I like what Chop do we have the to body? Do? Yeah. Like, what are we dealing with? 1145 at night? It scared the shit out of me, dude. My, like the paranoia said in my heart starts racing. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, just come to find out it's just his son got a shitty haircut and he's a, embarrassed to bring his kid around his family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could make a full sitcom episode <laughs> over this. This was It was one of the greatest phone calls I've ever received.
3: Oh my God. Yeah. Puerto Rican dudes are animated.
2: Mm-hmm. I had to oh, work in Miami animated.
3: a lot for a while. And we basically got like all these car dealerships, all at once. And they all had to be like trained and set up and everything with our stuff like immediately. So I spent like two months in Miami, uh, just like going to a different dealership every day and like doing training with their service people. And it was, it was fun to like hang out down there for, you know, extended period of time and just kind of get to see the whole place. And, try a bunch of food and stuff, but the, the, like the actual work part of it kind of sucked because nobody knew that you were coming. Like rarely did anybody know that they were supposed to like have their people like off premises for half a day. So they're all upset when you show up, each store had like, you know, stores here might have like two or three service advisors. And some of them there had like 24, huge by comparison and so it's like you'd show up you're like i have to go through this training deal which is about an hour hour and a half with all of your people today like um when can i start with like a group of them and the ones that really didn't like you and didn't want you to like interrupt them would just give you one person at a time (laughs) so you're just there for the entire day just saying the same thing and then like snubbed By, like, the fourth group, like, I I just, I don't care anymore. I can't say the same thing four times in a row. So, like, it would would get to a point where you'd come up on the noon hour and they'd usually, like, have you sitting in the, like, the technician break room to do training. So, like, lunchtime rolls around and, like, all these Puerto Rican dudes would start rolling in to eat their lunch and, and just shout at each other. (laughs) <laughs> like every day every day it was like a two hour period where like you could barely hear or talk because it was just like big arguments and stories <laughs> and stuff going on and it was it was 2016 so it was like like i i remember the one week i was there the day after trump won the election okay and like all the old Latina guys were pumped and all the young Latino guys were really upset and they were fighting just
1: like at each other's throats. <laughs> really? That's the delineation, uh, the generational gap, huh? Pretty much. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, there's some mixing of course, but it's so funny, man. Cause back, like talking about my neighbor again, like when that was all like the 2016 election was all going on. Um, He was like, um, he asked us one, like uh my wife and I, one day he's like, what do you, he's like, look, he's like, if you guys don't want to talk about this shit, like that's fine. No one's going to talk about this. He's like, but you know, I'm, I'm genuinely curious as to what you guys think about all this shit going on. Like, I mean, what do you think about Trump? And we were just like, yeah, not feeling that guy at all. And he's like, really? He's like, look, I'll be honest, man. I'm kind of into him. And he's like, and it's so funny. Cause like it, the the ironic juxtaposition that conservatives find themselves in is that the hispanic population is by and large mostly voting pretty conservative on most fronts you know and yeah. uh conservative people but Family so they're people. like they're they're trying to pander to like their white base and be like uh ah, yeah no we don't want them here and then it's just like they come here and they're like we're voting for your guys though and they're like yeah uh it's like you have to like Really try to like it's they have to figure out how to make their moves, uh, in order to like appease both groups of people, which uh, that's the irony of politics, right? You have to find a way to like <laughs> make two groups of people who ultimately don't care about each other vote for the same person. Uh, yeah, it's not working out super great for uh, Democrats this time, but uh, we'll see what happens. We're DeSantis. Oh my god, he, <laughs> he is what?
3: sucking wind.
1: He is, it's so funny, man. <laughs> Cause he had such a, he, it looked so much like he really was going to give before like Trump really kind of came back and announced his, uh, his campaign and shit. Like DeSantis was cruising, man. I thought this guy had a real good chance of, uh, I mean, a year ago I was like, it hands down, it's going to be DeSantis versus Biden. And then you watched, how things have played out since people started announcing that. Well, I shouldn't say people pretty much just Trump announces he's going to run again. And DeSantis is just like, I mean, it's hard to imagine making more of a fool out of yourself, but he's fucking managed. He's done a great fucking job at that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. He's like, just, I really took him to be more of just like a a corporate jerk off. And I don't know if he just took bad advice somewhere along the line. And they're yeah. like, Hey, you got to up your conservative credentials with like the, the <laughs> super Mago right wing yeah. people. So
1: he tries to dunk on Trump for being too pro gay or something, like something awful oh and stupid. <laughs> that video that his, <laughs> that his like rapid response
3: Twitter group, which good God it's so lame. Rapid response Twitter. But, uh, the video that they put out that was like the meme wizard like uh what what's the 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 guy from um the serial killer movie god i'm just totally losing my train of thought here uh i wish i could save you <laughs> christian bale
1: played the serial killer that's oh, like the- american psycho God, that that really shouldn't have been
3: that hard. But,
1: yeah, anyways, the video sucked. It was terrible. <laughs> I haven't it's even watched... I haven't watched the video. I just saw, like, several headlines being like, DeSantis bashes Trump for being too pro-gay. you know, just like, that's his angle. God damn, this guy really has got nothing going for him, does he? It's not going well.
2: <laughs> no.
3: Well, but, speaking of... Uh politically charged activists yes, that are just really tapped into uh, mainstream America. They got we, a
1: thumb on the pulse of the zeitgeist.
3: Sam came to us this week, to Jeremiah and I, and he said, we need to talk about Greg Locke
2: because lock, he's been lock. in the
3: news. And I feel like you cursed me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've been listening to so many Greg Locke clips. Your YouTube algorithm's gonna be so
1: fucked after this.
3: Yeah, I just finally got Richie the Barber out of my (laughs) YouTube search recommendations and stuff. He kept popping up every every time I looked at YouTube, there was a there was like a short in there. It was like
0: Richie exposes Tom Cruise.
3: Yeah. Now (laughs) it's gonna be all Greg Locke like casting out demons and witches.
1: The universe I'm looking forward to or would love to see more than anything would be Richie calling out Greg Locke. I want to see Richie go after these, uh, any, anyone who's into like the, um, exorcism lanes, you know, I want to see Richie go after Catherine Crick. Uh, I think I want to see this guy move. Like I want to see a turf war between people performing exorcisms in the streets. It would be great.
3: Yeah. Oh, man. What if they just went head to head like Street Fighter style and just got you just got to see who's like who is the better spiritual warrior who could call the demon out of the other first?
1: (laughs) it's like an arcade game where you just see who can cast out the most demons in the shortest amount of time. It's like a split screen arcade game. You're just fucking mashing the yellow and blue buttons. It's like that Michael Jackson Sega game, but you're just like
3: throwing throwing devils out of people. <laughs> Michael Jackson Sega game? Yeah, he had a game. I didn't know about this. Yeah, you like moonwalked around and I think you threw your hat at people or something like
1: that. <laughs> I think it was for Sega. Is it Somebody on your uh, is it on the thing that uh Jesse made you? What's that your gaming thing?
3: Oh man, I haven't checked but I should. My buddy Jesse made me this this like retro game pad thing it's that he programmed. Amazing. It's it's incredible. It has like every game up until up through like Sega Dreamcast. So, and and like every version of every game. So like I've been playing a bunch of NBA Jam. Yes, like I'm playing the NBA Jam on Super Nintendo. Jennifer, Nath there's the would one be for Sega. So happy to hear that. That's that's kind of what got me fired up on it. Is when we were talking about it, I was like, "Man, I I would love to play NBA Jam," and now I've been going hard on it. It's not the most fair game. No, it is
1: imbalanced
3: as fuck. <laughs> Every team sucks in the first quarter. They do okay in the second quarter. The third quarter, they mop the floor with you. And then you have to come back in the fourth quarter every time. It's like Harlem Globetrotters.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You get to be the the hero and the the underdog.
1: (laughs) The AI just makes you eat shit the third quarter. That is how Harlem Globetrotters games work, right? I went to one as a kid and thought it was the funniest fucking thing in the world, man watching people the washington generals that they play against i i don't remember i remember so little about it other than just like i you know the things that stick out to a middle school boy is like someone going for the free throw and they get pantsed
2: you're like oh fuck
1: (laughs) they wear like they get that heart hearts on the boxers and shit it's like very uh looney tunes-esque yeah I th- I think it's the Washington
3: Generals that they play. They play against the same team, quote unquote, every time they play. So, so there's there's a whole group of dudes that have just been on a basketball team with the absolute worst. They have the perfect record of losing. You know.
1: <laughs> it's so insane. It's honestly I it's it's goofy as fuck, but I would absolutely consider taking my children to it like that's like a good thing for dads to take their kids to and it I would think be really fun to that's take like why a just, because if you're not taking your kids why are you there dude right it's kind of like
3: being a grown man at wrestlemania
2: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> or like Definitely. a monster truck event you're like you took your kids, Percent right? of the audience
3: <laughs> oh yeah monster truck's a better example like, <laughs> what are you doing at a monster Oh, you're
1: truck, 45 right? and single, and you love monster trucks. Okay.
3: <laughs> it's
1: Monster Jam this weekend, and
3: I'm cosplaying Randy Savage.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, anyway, I don't know how we got here. Uh, that's typically how things go, but uh, talking about Pastor Greg Locke, um, he... So- so- Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to point out the article that I sent to you was uh, shocking to me when I read it. Uh, And then. After the headline, the headline is Pastor Greg Locke repents, scrubs thousands of videos from Facebook to minimize collateral damage. And for anyone who knows Pastor Greg Locke, uh, actually, we covered him on our episode with Christian Nightmares um, yeah, I
3: think so. I don't who, remember what he was talking about in the clip,
1: but it, yeah, it's—I mean, it could have been anything. Uh, Any—it's it, anything awful. You just take the worst corners of evangelicalism, and that's probably you know what he was talking about. But you read you that want an and you example. Go, yeah, hit us with the just example. To, just to oh, wet your whistle.
0: I'm to the place right now. If you vote Democrat, I don't even want you around this church. You can get out. You can get out, you demon. You can get out you baby butchering election thief. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. I don't care how mad that makes you. You get pissed off as you want to. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. They are God-denying demons that butcher babies and hate this nation. Yikes.
1: (laughs) Charged. Charged is the word. (laughs) He, uh, He comes out swinging for sure. Uh, So apparently he's repenting, though, uh, of these uh, politically charged videos. And he scrubs thousands of them from the Internet. And it's one of those like you go, wow, he repents like turned from his ways. I got to read this article. And then you realize it's the biggest like 13 year old girl. Sorry, not sorry. You've ever heard in your life. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's so irritating to listen to.
3: So Greg's got, uh, he's got some stuff going on. So I've, I've heard clips of Greg Locke before, um, you know, on that episode or he's like, he he pops up on Christian nightmares page here and there. Uh, I would say probably the new evangelicals talks about him once in a while. Um, But I didn't know a lot about him. I just
1: thought he was some loud mouth preacher, which he is. He's very loud. About it. And he, he I feel like he's been almost misrepresented, not intentionally by any means, um, but because he's gotten so much traction uh, on the Internet that there's like this idea that he has like a giant church or something. Uh, his church is in Nashville. It's called uh, Global Vision Bible Church. It actually used to be Global Vision Baptist Church, um, but they split over something uh at some point and that's why it's Global Vision Bible Church and it's not i mean it's not small by any means but it's not huge it's not a mega church i don't believe and uh, most of his following is online uh youtube facebook um i would i'm assuming he's monetized those and he's doing pretty well so he has a lot of uh, crossover
3: fans with Matt Gates
1: yeah <laughs> yeah Well, I mean, so even just monetizing those videos, I'm interested, I I would like to know what type of financial hit he's succumbing himself to by scrubbing the videos. Like, is it, are people still watching them? And is he going to like cut a portion of his paycheck? Uh, What loss is this to him? Well, it sounded to me like, like,
3: like a lot of the videos that he was deleting were on Facebook.
1: Yeah, probably not YouTube, maybe not their back catalog of sermons on their own website. I'm not sure. I should have actually checked to see if they upload all of their sermons to their own website. I didn't I didn't check that. He Um, definitely
3: puts them on YouTube now, um, as I watched quite a few of them. But yeah, like looking at looking at some of the videos and stuff that uh, that I did today, like you can tell that it's a pretty small church. At least some of the ones that I I watched. um, So there was a a couple that centered around like 2018 because Mm -hmm. that's when Greg, who was allegedly having an affair, divorced his wife and promptly married his administrative assistant.
1: Yeah, immediately. Like. It's very bizarre. Well, I. I. There's some good quotes from him on that, too. I can actually I can pull those up while you uh, continue to. um... Yeah, well, the main one that he had mentioned was that something
2: is about to bust.
3: So (laughs) he had to act fast. His shorts were going to get sticky.
1: Very, very sticky. It's so funny listening to like the way that he responds to people asking him a very reasonable question about like, Hey, you got divorced and 32 hours later you married your wife's best friend. Uh what was going on there? It's like, "How fucking dare you?" You're like, "Jesus, man, your defensiveness is a little telling." It goes Yeah, uh, there's-, there's some good quotes from him, though. He goes, uh, "Afterwards, like after uh despite his uh failed marriage and shit, uh this is from an article in 2018 this is like right around the time that was happening christian post has been able eat greg Locke will mention in quotes that people ask to talk to him a lot and i don't know that he talks to a lot of publications but for some reason christian post has gotten a few interviews with him um so i'm not sure if christian post is like something i don't know why he uh, gravitates towards them. Maybe, maybe they're more evangelical in general. So he feels like he can speak to them in a way that won't, like, I don't know, tank things for him. But, um, he says, um, I still preach against divorce. I'm in a series right now in Ephesians, I'm encroaching on chapter five. You know, I'm gonna have to preach about marriage husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. That's a difficult balance right now, but I'm going to have to learn to be a better husband than I was the first go around he said of his new marriage. Now, in all honesty, that's not a horrible response. It but the problem is that 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 would make sense for someone who got divorced and then later got remarried, right? Like he goes there's no doubt we Locke and his ex-wife both contributed to the failure of our marriage. And so I'm going to have to learn to be a biblical husband in the strictest sense of the word. I'm not going to change the fact that I'm still very conservative, my values and morals. Is divorce wrong? Yeah. Does God offer forgiveness? There's only one unforgivable sin in the Bible, and it's not divorce. It's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, he said. Certainly not a situation that I thought I would ever find myself in, but I'm here And what I'm finding now is that our phone is ringing off the hook with pastors that have gone through or going through the same thing, blah, 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 blah. I think what's notable is like a lot of what he says could actually make sense if you didn't marry your wife's best friend 32 hours after your divorce was finalized, (laughs) right? It's like, like, that's what it sounds, what you're saying sounds like you're not dealing with what people are actually asking you. You're like, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course divorce is a sin. Yeah, but I repented. And it's like, uh, you know, look, it, it, there's also like what Jesus says, allegedly, in Matthew 19:9, 9, when he says, hey, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. You heard it straight from Jesus. Pastor Greg Locke is an adulterous an adulterous man that he is, but he's uh he's preaching out of Ephesians not uh not the the gospel of Matthew, so I guess he's a little bit off the hook until he circles back to the beginning of the New Testament again when he has to figure out how to do uh some mental gymnastics to get out of that one. yeah,
3: he's up for it he's flexible. <laughs> oh he's super flex. I think like one of the most interesting things that I've found from like watching a bunch of clips of him and stuff is the guy is like he is such an unapologetic, self-absorbed maniac. Yes, like total narcissist. Absolutely. One thing that like with all the stuff that he's, you know, I mean this this played out very publicly. I mean, he's a guy that's like attracted a ton of attention to himself. You know, he he preaches fire and brimstone and calls people out, calls people false prophets, calls people demons a lot. And
1: uh, even called out one, some people in his church not too long ago for being witches and was like going, going to get there. Them. Oh, OK, you got that on your list. All right, all right. Well, I'll save it. I'll save it. I love it. One thing you will not hear from him, though,
3: is like any sort of repentance. Like, it doesn't matter which one of these scenarios you're talking about, which thing he stuck his foot in. Like, he does not take hardly any responsibility for anything. He never admits
0: wrongdoing, ever.
1: Are you sure?
0: Because
2: <laughs> I
1: I definitely read some of his quotes here, and he goes, uh... Oh. He says uh, on Facebook, he's like, look, we took down thousands of videos, took about three or four days, deleted every one of them, Locke told his congregation, all of them, all rants, not because what I said was wrong, but because when I became a man, I put away childish things and I've learned to say things better. So the problem is like
3: 48 hours.
1: Yeah. The problem is he could have said all that better. Uh, but he still believes the same things. But if he communicated it better, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been the same problem that it was. Yeah, he he, uh, in
3: one sentence talks about meekness instead of meanness and saying things better, and then in the next sentence says,
0: "I'll still call out baby butchers."
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Says so I'm, I'm, I, I am, but I'm not amping it up on politics. I'm not. I'll spit in the face of Planned Parenthood and call out baby butchers. I'm not going to compromise on the alphabet community, he's added. I'm not going to lay down the sword. I'm just going to be more meticulous and specialized at who we swing it at. Greg Locke repents and takes down thousands of videos. <laughs> so fucking dumb. <laughs> Guy's such
3: a loser. Oh man, yeah. So it seems like I—I I don't know. Do you get the impression that some of the like crazy supernatural deliverance stuff that he's into is more of a recent thing? Like uh, maybe past couple
1: of years, past few years. I feel like it must be because he also, in some of his like quotes, was like mentions focusing more on that, the deliverance side of things, uh, the Jesus w- when he talks about the Jesus side of things, it's like, you know, more of like the salvific work of Christ and deliverance and things and not so much on politics. So I, it feels more recent, like in the past few, like, yeah, past couple of years, probably. Yeah. And so he's made the
3: rounds a few times in the past, like year or so, just by, just clips of him saying insane things. Uh, he has a real bone to pick with demons and witches. and the clip that Sam was talking about, I've got it here, but it's uh the context for this is he he is talking about casting a demon out of someone the I think like that week he had somebody had come in with an, a demon afflicting them they cast the demon out and the demon revealed the names of some witches that are in their <laughs> congregation. And so this is, and like part of this is funny, like part it's funny because it's so stupid, but it's also like, I think as you, as you're listening to this, think about what it must be like to be a person in his congregation, always like two seconds away from being in the crosshairs the guy that that freaks out on stage completely blows his top calls people out from the pulpit and you know you've kind of like wrapped your whole world around this church
1: yeah think about it in
3: that context as a woman sitting in
1: the audience he'll say things like um like i had someone come to my office this week and they told me x y i'm not gonna say names i'm not saying their names but i had so i had I had three people in my office this week talking to me about X, Y, and Z. And you're like, bitch, those people are sitting in your fucking congregation, and or 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 more likely, you made the whole thing up. You're like a stand-up comic at this point, where you go, the funny thing happened to me last week, and it didn't happen because you're a comedian, and there are some morons in the audience who go, did that really happen? And then there are plenty of people who go, this guy's telling jokes for a living. I'm convinced Greg Locke is making up a lot of his scenarios. And I wouldn't be shocked if several of them came from his own personal experiences that he's deflecting on other people. Like when he talks about like, you know, porn, ruining marriages and adultery and this or that. It's like you're going a little hard on things that people are speculating that you may or may not have a problem with. Yep.
2: Anyway, never admit it. though.
0: Let's hit it. Let's hit it. We got first and last names of six witches that are in our church. And you know what's strange? Three of you are in this room right now. Three of you in the room right now.
1: Thought it was over.
0: You better look in my eyeballs. We ain't afraid of you, you stinking witch. You devil worshipping satanist witch, we cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ, we break your spells, we break your curse, we got your first name, we got your last name, we even got an address for one of you, you so much as cough wrong and I'll expose you in front of everybody in this tent, you stinking witch. You were sent to this church to destroy us. You were sent to this church to lure us in. You were sent to this church to cast spell. Listen, some of you been sick because you befriended that witch. Two of you in my wife's latest Bible study, and you know who you are.
3: Yeah, and it goes on from there. And he basically, like, he never names them, but he just kind of, like, lets that hang over the audience that, like, you so much as do one thing that I don't like. You speak up, you say something wrong, you try to cause division, whatever. Whatever he defines as a problem, he's going to out you to the whole church. And I got to think that there's like like every woman in the congregation is just sitting there like uh what am Yikes. Me? Is it is, yeah, could it be so and so, could it be I mean, not only does that make you doubt yourself, but it also makes you doubt everyone around you. I mean, you second guess that whether or not you confide in the people that are in the church, you know, and stuff. I mean, that's part of the, the cult mentality. That's what I think too, is like, again, it's easy to just throw the word cult around, but like the political stuff that just seems like I'm a jerk off that wants to get onto cable news once in a while
1: yeah and it worked and he ended up doing like a whole like freedom of america bullshit tour or some got the name wrong but it was some sort of freedom america horse shit kind of tour that he got to speak on it yeah. worked for him he got you know in one of the videos you sent me he talks about like being a, a financial wreck and that was probably around the time he was getting divorced um he but he talked about his financial problems. And I'm like, even throwing that in at your level, like you, you're getting a lot of views. People are paying attention to you. It's just everything he says is really well calculated, uh, to solicit the response that he needs for himself. Um, I mean, whether it's about like how his marriage failed and why he's like, you know, all of a sudden, with his wife's best friend, or his "sorry, not sorry" apology for getting too invested in politics, like, yeah, it's like that might be the case, but like then you hear his witch rant, and you're like, "That's unhinged. Is that's unhinged as fuck?" And you're still going off. Like you just, what you do from the pulpit is start screaming about whatever comes into your head. And there's this idea that, and this is common. For anyone of his caliber, anyone of his ilk, of like that, I mean, like you said, cult is easy to throw around. I, I think the term cult adjacent is probably a little like more yeah. fair because he's like, you can leave you if you don't like this, you can leave. Cults don't say that. Colts go, if you don't like this, you have to meet me in the back and I'm gonna fuck you in the ass or something crazy <laughs> like. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes and yes and no. I mean. I think that
3: what I think he has all the potential in the world to be a, you know, a Jim Jones type. Oh, personality. Sure, dude. Like it's, it's there. I don't think politics gets him there, but I feel like all this devil's demons, which is casting people out, blah, 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 blah. That has a much broader appeal to the kind of audience that's going to stick with him through thick and thin, you know? yeah, And like, I think that is, you know, there there's got to be a strategic reason that he's pivoting away from politics. But I think that in addition to that, the supernatural stuff gives it raises the stakes and it gives him a much broader appeal to the kind of people who are just going to sign over their life to him.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um. That stuff definitely seems to have a pull for a lot of people. I mean, I guess at, at, at some level, that's what swept me up when I was in college. Like, like the supernatural aspect of Christianity, um, in like it's exciting in one of his videos, uh, the one we keep talking about, uh, the video that I just watched, we should post in the show notes. It's the one you shared it in our discord, Casey. It's like, um, It says he calls out his ex-wife, but he doesn't really specifically. It's just about marriage and commitment to the church. I don't know. It's just all over the place, kind of. He just blasts his congregation for his problems. Yeah. Uh, But the way he goes about it, it's like there's just like the ranty pull people in sort of like, I'm going to, it's, it's a deflection, right? It's like, these are all these problems and I'm going to deflect. I'm going to point out that the people in the community who are dealing with this and the people who are doing that, um, like even like one of the quotes he has from when he was dealing with his like divorce, uh, this says when asked how their relationship flowered into a marriage, like his new wife. Locke explained that things began to change after his divorce with Melissa was finalized in May. Quote, we were a week from the finalization of divorce. Had we talked about, hey, let's go on a date when all of this is done. Yeah, of course there were feelings. We just didn't know what to do with them until things were legal. Like nobody doesn't know what to do with feelings until there's like a legal separation. And he's like, in this same thing, he talks about being like, close with them they go on trips together they do a bunch together their kids were friends it's like there's like that level of narcissism that allows you to just casually just excuse all of your behaviors as normal when like it's it's red flag after red flag after red flag and then take those same things like everything he does, he he deflects all that onto his congregation. He's like, there's some of you who are looking at other people in your marriage. It's like, you just said before your divorce was finalized, yeah, were there conversations about why, why don't we do after? Are there feelings? Yeah, I guess so. But it's so innocent for you, but all of a sudden it's demons and witches and everything for your congregation.
3: Well, yeah, that's and that's kind of what I was talking about in the Discord too. Is that like it's fascinating to see the way that he maneuvers through that process of like, you know, he's got a he had to find a way. Apparently, a bunch of the congregation left when all that happened when he married this other this other chick. I guess there's a lot of people that stepped out at that point. Good for you. Good people. for them. You're probably still nuts, but. <laughs> Good job. That's a good time to find the exit. But, uh, you know, for the people that are still there, like these are his ride or die fans that have stood with him in spite of finding out that he is a complete hypocrite. And you know what? It's one thing to find out that someone's not perfect, right? Somebody screws up, makes a mistake, a normal pastor yeah, you got to work through that. But even a normal pastor with something that wasn't quite so nefarious as marrying his wife's best friend and his assistant after, you know, a week of being divorced, like even in those situations, like the pastor's probably going to have to step down, go through a whole like they're going to send him to some dorky marriage camp and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Greg is immediately like, how do I reframe the issue of divorce to the remainders of my congregation. How do I, how do I sell them what they desperately want to hear? And it's that I'm still infallible that this is normal. This is not bad. And yeah, sure. Does the Bible say it? Sure. Whatever. But you know, don't let that slow you down. And he starts by saying like, he's got to introduce the idea that leaving your spouse is okay under certain circumstances. So like his first first way of doing that is by saying, he goes, I'm going to tell you something. There are pastors around this country that if you as a woman, if you went in there and told them that your husband was just beating the crap out of you, they would say that you need to stay with him because you made a commitment and that's what the Bible says. I think that's a load of crap. And like every reasonable person is like, yeah, nobody should do that. I mean, if you're getting, you know, domestic abuse and stuff like that, like you should leave. And then it turns into like, you know, your, your spouse is making you falter in your walk with God. They're pulling you away from the Lord with their worldly concerns and this and that and the other, you know, it's time for you to serve God and stop worrying about catering to this person. Maybe it's addiction and drugs that are, that are, you know, causing your marriage to fail. And like, how long are you going to hold yourself back to, to, you know, stay in the pocket with this person who is obviously like a mess or whatever. Like, and he just slowly works his way down until he's at a point where he's talking, he's given the example of someone in the, of someone in the church that came to him to talk about their marriage for like the umpteenth time. And he's like, yeah, my wife gave me another ultimatum. He said, you know, I've been seeing things a little bit differently these days than I did when we first met. I think it's time for you to call her bluff. You want to serve God over the next three years or you want to chase after this this woman? You know, and like he took that example. Didn't give any example of like what the ultimatums were that this lady was asking her husband. to. I mean, even if she, she probably not even a real scenario, right? Probably not. But then it.
1: It's, it's funny because he cause like, you wants can, him to vacuum a rug and he's like, but baby, the game's on. It's like, that. God, I just. It's filling the, the blanks. Yeah, it's filling. That's, that's what's important about mm-hmm, it. That's what You works. can
3: fill in the blanks. If you, and so like maybe at that point, the guys in the audience are all going like, yeah, you shouldn't have to take that, blah, 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 blah. And then he talks about, you know, He's like, you know how many marriages in this church have been ruined by pornography? Like, you men come in here and you say that your wife won't be intimate with you and stuff, and you've been staring at pornography? She ought to throw you out of the house until you get yourself straight with God. And it's like, we've slowly walked down this path to where, like, the little things that all of you are feeling nervous about right now are reason enough to question your marriage and possibly end it.
1: Yeah. Like... Which justifies <laughs> him, even though he won't explain. He goes. He even says that in the details of his, because he was accused of abuse, um, uh, in his marriage, and that's what led to the divorce. And he says that there are details in the sealed divorce files that would totally exonerate him. And he goes, nobody wants to hear the side of the story, that side of the story, and pulpit and pen, who was another publication that was trying to like ask him about it they just want to hear they just want to spin this nonsense and burn my life to the ground and this is where you get the level of sociopath that he is he goes and the facts are the facts i retain the kids we finally got amical she's got two i've got two i'm remarried she's moving on with her life we're trying to be as friendly as we can so he goes i have the kids And that that's the the statement that I have. The kids isn't about the kids. It's about him believing that that makes him the more responsible, mature adult while his wife who didn't get the kids is the unhinged lunatic of a woman. And then he goes, but then it's, he it's doesn't exactly have the that. kids. He fucking Solomon to this shit and goes, "I got two, she got two. He doesn't even give a fuck. They're just like this random ass negotiation <laughs> for h- how you fucking split the kids. That yeah, blew Which me. Which two? I don't care. Like if Whichever. me and my wife were getting divorced and we were like figuring out who got the kids, and I was like, "All right, how about how about this? You get one and I get one, and that'll be great for the kids and our family, and that'll." that's the reasonable no of course not that would be insane if like that would be absolutely insane and traumatizing to the children to split them up to just like all right how about this we'll split everything 50 50 the house the money it's like that full house episode where stephanie and dj put a line of tape down the middle of their room and try to decide like that like you can't come on it it's like you split everything in half. it's like no if you're gonna just draw a line of tape down your the middle of your house and be like alright you live on that side with your two kids and I'll live on this side with the two kids that I get it's like fucking insane
2: <laughs> Split that custody brings a
1: song to mind split
2: yeah. custody like I got a normal the G- person
3: she got the palace <laughs> I'm going through the big D and don't mean Dallas The big dick is the big D dick. It's divorce. actually. uh, I knew you would go there though.
1: Uh, Well, you know, I mean, he's getting divorced. He's like, maybe I'm gay. He tries a few things out, realizes he's not, I don't know. That would be a much happier end of this story. It would be a much more realistic country (laughs) song. Very, like very, uh, broke back mountain. Yeah. I, uh, dude, I, I really like,
3: I just, I don't under, I think to have this many fans this late in the game, I mean, online is one thing because you're looking at 30 second clips or whatever, but these people that are in his church and sticking with him, and even though it's not a big group, it's just astounding that they would stick with him through that. Like you have to have so much personally invested in this guy. Like it reflects, he reflects so much of who you are that you just can't cope with the fact that like the guy's a a total hypocrite.
1: Yeah. He's a piece of crap. Because beliefs believe we're just at a point now where beliefs are people's identity. Like I think about myself and the way that I've changed my mind over the years where if I go who I was at Liberty, I did some things that I might, that I wouldn't do today. And there were things that I thought that, caused a level of like disequilibrium in myself but when i think of like who i am i'm never like if you asked me now like are you like i'm the same person like you could say i'm a different person and i think that's what things gets convoluted right people go i don't think any of what i used to i'm a different person now but the people who knew me then still like me and they still feel like I'm the same person. I might swear more in my jokes. I might make filthier jokes. I might go for it more and just for the laugh and we'll see where that goes. And maybe you like, there are things you'll do differently based on your shift in belief out of evangelical Christianity where you're like trying to stay on this like weird moral high ground all the time. But like most people, if they change their mind about something like when I started thinking, so like, okay, I mean, real shift back. uh, Talk Shane Claiborne for a second. When I read Irresistible Revolution from Shane Claiborne, that really shifted my focus. And I was like, this is what I've been needing. I needed to read this because I've been living with this discontinuity where I'm like, I'm, I'm told all these things from an evangelical church, but I believe that what I'm reading and what I know about Jesus and my Christian faith is telling me that I should care less about my own personal freedoms and how and my how much money I keep in my taxes and and taking care of other people and I I had the shift in focus and I I've been like teetering on that and then you then you I read this book and I go oh my god I needed this and when I read that book I'm still the same person hanging out with me is still the same but my beliefs changed and that's okay. Like, so this idea that like everyone ties their beliefs to their personality—it's like once you do that, you're just fucking asking to live in this like cycle of ch- discomfort. Like you, you, you. When you start to change your mind, you have to shove that shit down for so long because you're just convinced that like that is who you are. We are our beliefs, and it's like no, we're the things we do. We're the people we are when we're hanging out with our friends like and and you know too dude like and this has come up so many times that like when your parents were hanging out with their friends and they were just hanging out and they weren't talking about this shit like they were just making jokes and having a good time and like that's (laughs) <laughs> that's all it is. Like we aren't our beliefs. And I think if we can detach ourselves from this idea that you are what you believe. I, and honestly, we've talked several times about the way that this goes for like people who leave evangelicalism and find like a liberal version of Christianity or just like leftism in general, where they just double down on the same types of fundamentalism where it's like, if you don't think like me, you're out. It's like, We're not our beliefs. At the end of the day, we are not our beliefs. We're the people we are when we're hanging out, not talking about the things we fucking believe in. And I feel like that's kills me. When I think about people like this in the church, it's like they hear this and you hear all the cheers and the hoots and the hollers. And when they go home and they raise their kids, I'm sure some of them are really fucking shitty, but plenty are just caught up in this like conservative evangelical christianity just like we were and they they're not talking about this this is inconsequential to the way they live their life the way they do their job the way they talk to their coworkers. these people aren't witnessing to their co-workers day in and day out like and i may not know them personally but i know from personal experience that everyone i've ever met who's christian talks about talking about how they talks about how they wish they would reach out to people more like no one's doing that. They're not disrupting no. conference calls. They're just living their goddamn lives.
3: Even I, yeah. And I think that's right. I do really bristle sometimes when people talk about, you know, c- people with conservative beliefs and stuff, you know, as if they're just devils and demons that should be cast out. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it irritates me because it's just it's such a huge percentage of the people that I know and interact with all the time. And like, right, I mean, aside from some jokes here and there, or whatever, I mean, the vast majority of the, it it doesn't hardly affect who they are and how they treat people. There are some that it does. But I think like being out of some of those circles, like if you're out of circles with conservative people and you're you're your interactions with them are all either online or it's your family, which is different too. Because your family, especially if you got conservative parents, they feel this weird obligation to like try to bring you back into the fold or make sure that you think right. Absolutely. You know, and, it's so
1: different with family. You're right.
3: Normal people just do normal people stuff. And the the flip side of that is true too. In that, in that like, you know, you can, you can talk all you want and perform all you want about your values and who you are and what you believe and how right you are about this and that and the other. At the end of the day, it's like we've said before like, what people remember about you is the way that you made them feel. Yeah. And like, no one cares that you posted statuses about this movement or that or, you know this bill going through Congress and stuff, that's not all that stuff's not bad to do, but like, it doesn't define who you are as a person to other people. What defines you is the way that you treat them. And so like you can post all you want about, you know, your faith and spreading the gospel and you believe this and you believe that and love and peace and whatever. If you treat, you know, the, the, the person at the gas station counter, like crap because you know, your speedy rewards card isn't working or something like that. Like that's what you are. They gave you
1: the wrong vape.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think everything about going back to Greg, Greg, I don't,
1: it's hard to say with a guy like this. I think he's Mark Driscoll. I think, I don't think he's capable of thinking outside of how he's being perceived. I don't know that he has thoughts. So, I mean, one of the things he says is in regard to like changing his mind or whatever, it's like why he wanted to get rid of his Facebook posts. It's like, I had this conversation. I was riding my bike, and God started. God told me that I should get rid of it, and I go. Neg- I was trying to negotiate with God, and it's like, and then and then he's like, "Oh, I, I guess God wins. Maybe like I'm trying to negotiate with him, but I, whatever. I guess he. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever conclusion he came to. Because what's weird about Greg is I'm not. Con- well, on a personal level, uh, whatever everyone else believes. If you're still. Believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and them speaking to you. Great. Uh, I don't believe that. I don't believe people are capable of delineating their own thoughts from the thoughts of God. And I think that's gotten to us a lot of fucking trouble over the years. <laughs> so when he's riding his fucking goddamn bicycle and he's saying he's having this conversation with God, he's having a moment of clarity. I, I would hope where he goes, Maybe I've been a cunt for five or six years and I need to change my ways. No, but that would require reckoning with who I am. But you know what the easy way out is? The easy way out is saying, you know, I, I believe everything I said, but God is challenging me to just talk about the gospel now. And he just gets to like, it, it just resets. It it resets the clock before he has to do it again. It's like,
2: it's It's like look
1: at porn and then you like come again and you tell god you won't do it for six months or more you're like i give that was the last time until i'm horny again 36 hours later and you then you it's like jesus christ man like that's all this is this this whole like i'm done with politics is his i gave up porn for god (laughs) that's it give me the blood
0: lord and let me get away (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is
3: and and I think like what I don't there is absolutely zero chance in my mind that this is some sort of moment of reflection about like his character
2: mm-hmm.
3: that he wants to change. This is about branding, it's about self interest. Maybe there's some sort of a legal angle on it that he's worried about. You know, maybe he's being challenged on, I don't know. It could be tax exempt status. Could be something to do with custody of his kids. I mean, it's hard to say there. There's some reason though, that he's decided to just completely rebrand himself. And like the way that he cloaks it is hilarious. Like the fake sincerity and stuff. So this, this clip, He prefaces this clip by saying that like, you know, if you ask anyone about me, if you ask anybody what's the one thing that defines me, it's my it's my courage and my boldness in speaking the truth. And then this is where it goes from there. That is not what I meant to (laughs) (laughs) But I did enjoy it. Here we go.
0: My question is, why is that the number one thing? I've preached for 31 years.
1: He's 45.
0: This may be the realest sermon you've ever heard me preach.
2: <laughs> why is
0: it that i preached for 31 years? And if you ask anybody, hater or lover, what is the number one personality trait of Greg Glock? all of them, hands down, will tell you courage and boldness.
2: Do yeah. you think
3: that... Uh... Do you think that he had to do a little method he's acting? Crying over it, what a pussy. <laughs> he's just watched Kyle Rittenhouse's like uh, testimony in court.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Did he just imagine if he's like how to cry, and he just comes up with that <laughs> video of like, you know, that video of the guy? It's like the worst cry of all time.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: He goes on in
3: that thing to state that, like, oh, man, it's such a convoluted, like, come to Jesus message where he's like, you know, my, I think some of this, he doesn't go so far as to say, like, you know, I was a maniac, and i I preached things that were not in the Bible, and like I strayed from the word and I hurt our church's reputation because I did this, and it's me and my fault, and I repent. He does a lot of like you know i let I let meanness sometimes triumph over meekness because meanness got more amens. And you as a congregation, you share in this responsibility with, like, right. he continually rebukes amen? the congregation. <laughs> yeah.
1: Who said amen? Oh, is you. Oh, you loved my meanness, so I realized how much you guys loved it. I gave the people what they wanted, and I realized that that was wrong, but also, if it wasn't for you, I would never, ever have done such fucked up shit. It's your fault! You see what you did to me? You did this to me. It's like, Jesus, man, rein it in.
3: And it's like, it is partially true, like, he was playing to his audience, yeah. but, you know, you don't want that coming out of him. You want that coming out of somebody else. <laughs> you know? But he goes on to say that basically like. Performative mm-hmm. beliefs and, and showmanship in Christianity is what's ruining the American church. Right. He does. Yep. And. What's it's it's ridiculous on its own but what makes it even more ridiculous is the sermon that he preached one week prior to this did you did, did you see this i don't know i think I you did. would remember wait 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 <laughs> what so, year are we
1: talking have did you send me this this is sermon? recent
3: no 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 this is like this is like in the past
1: month here okay so but this article just came out about him doing the whole like I'm better than this now. God showed me the error of my ways. Well um, now yeah, because like... he that that's also Christianity's awesome in the way that everything before that is a clean slate now. You're like if you show him a video he said three weeks ago, he's like, Yeah, but I uh didn't you see what I said three weeks later where I repented of the way I said it?
3: <laughs> yeah. There will be a lot of that, a lot of revisionist history on
1: the Greg Locke. Uh, you know, You're like yeah, I didled those kids, uh, and but you know, I repented of that like six weeks ago, dude. You don't think I'm, you don't think I'm good to still teach children's church?
2: <laughs> He's
1: like, I'm forgiven of that piggly wiggly. I knocked off in Yezu.
3: <laughs> like I thought you said you was innocent of those charges. Well, I was lying. <laughs> and the preacher said that's forgiven too. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I've watched yeah. old brother. War are that way too many times. <laughs> no. So, okay. In this sermon, he's talking about deliverance and possession and all of that kind of stuff. He, we haven't even talked about his movie that he's just
1: came. I out with. know, dude, he, I haven't seen we'll it. Get and get to it feels like a total <laughs> tragedy. <laughs> so I didn't realize he had a movie until today when I was like going down the rabbit hole in this guy, I was like, how are we talking about him without have actually watched his movie? Oh
3: man. I don't know if I can
1: make it through. It would, it'll would, it be, I mean, if it's over 45 minutes, it'll be a tough, tough 45 minutes, but I, I don't, I don't know. It, it'll be hard to commit to actually watching that. I got, we'll s- I'm still playing tears of the kingdom, man. I don't have time for fucking Greg Locke movies.
3: That is a better use of your time for sure. So in this sermon, okay, he's got, there's a dollhouse on stage. And he's Already talking creepy. about he's talking about demon possession and casting demons out which he's there the part of their whole deliverance thing is that demons afflict Christians and can possess Christians which is kind of a weird unconventional belief for Christians at least yeah. in my experience.
1: Yeah, I've I've but, heard the back and forth on that. That's like uh predestination versus like Arminianism or whatever. I feel like it's in that same category.
3: Well, so he's talking about casting demons out of people and then having them come right back. And he's, you know, a couple (laughs) months later, he's casting another demon out of them and stuff. And he's like, you can't just cast the demon out. You got to destroy the structure. And at this point he takes out somebody from the audience comes up and hands him uh, like a Louisville slugger. Oh, there you go again.
1: I can't not do it. I they can't. hand
3: him their Louisville slugger.
1: Everything's and, uh... sexual with the Christians. It always goes that way. <laughs> Especially with cults. It's like, if it was a cult, it, was like, it starts with you just like waving this thing around. Like, oh, this is going to get rid of the demons. And then before you know it, you get two cocks in your hand. And you're just waving them around, trying to get rid of those demons. It always gets sexual. Kind of a heaven's gate sort of thing. Yeah, you got it. I mean. It's. Don't blame me for going there. Blame Colts for, for establishing taking... those neural pathways for me. <laughs> the neural
3: pathways, <laughs> the well-blazed trails <laughs> that are your neural pathways. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy comes <laughs> up and hands him like a, a like a big wooden baseball bat, and it has a Bible duct taped around the end of it. <laughs> And he's talking about, like, you got to tear down the edifice and stuff that's that supported these demons. And this is here's the clip from from that.
0: You got to get rid of the triggers on that iPhone. You got to get rid of the triggers on that Netflix. You got to lose her number. You got to lose his number.
1: New phone who does.
0: The demon comes out when you expel it. The stronghold comes down when you demolish it with the Bible.
3: This is the sound of him smashing the dollhouse with the Bible bat. And then he just throws it.
0: You gotta start tearing that mess up. It's like
1: a drummer at the end
3: of you a show. You
0: gotta break it down. You <laughs> gotta cast down imagination the and every high thing that exalts itself. <laughs> you gotta get in the Bible and beat that stronghold to death.
1: He's
3: got a little RFK thing going on there. At the yeah,
1: that raspberry. What a fucking horse. loser. What a fucking loser.
3: <laughs> and then proceeds the next week to give his uh, shaky voice sermon about how showmanship is ruining American Christianity. It's so dumb.
0: God, it's
3: dumb. It's just ridiculous.
0: Fuck, that sucks! <laughs> Holy shit, he sucks so bad! <laughs>
3: I I was watching like a video of somebody talking about this. Who's got like a, uh, you know, it's a Christian guy. Who's got like a theology YouTube channel and stuff. And he's like, I think this is like such a perfect example of how these guys use Christian, like all of this stuff, Christianity as a whole, the Bible as a whole, it's just a tool to be used by them until they're done with it. And they, and then they discard it. Like he, he smashes this. I mean the most, just like, for for a group of people who have like this reverence for like the flag, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To to tape like imagine he was talking about like American exceptionalism and he like taped a flag to a bat and then just beat like a I don't know an Osama bin Laden pinata to death yeah. and then just <laughs> chucked it. Like, this, I mean, it's, it's so disrespectful of the thing that you claim to value so much. And, and the guy made a great point about it in the video where he's like, he goes, they do this with scripture. They do it with references they, they throw the, you know, in Jesus name on top of everything. I mean, like he's literally in one clip, he talks about how he would, you know, if somebody spoke up during the service and he's like, He's like, you, you try to make trouble while I'm preaching, I'll take this microphone and I'll beat you right in the mouth with it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
1: Yeah. That's all you got to say. You just got to finish a sentence with in the name of Jesus and then it's fine. They're not convictions.
3: There's no reverence there for this stuff. I mean, I that's a big blanket statement. But by and large, like, like Christianity, the Bible – All of these like, you know, uh, structures and hierarchies that are kind of in place within Christianity, like they're all just tools to be used by Greg to broaden his platform and gain prestige and money and all this kind of stuff. And then the minute they don't work, the minute that, you know, marriage as a sacred institution doesn't work out for him anymore, you just throw it aside, you get rid of it. Well and the the
1: ultimately the beauty of what Greg's doing and what a lot of pastors and preachers are doing around the world are like like you listen to his rants like the video I watched today of him railing against so many things was like I he didn't bring he brought up the Bible occasionally and it'd be like, just like it says in Romans one 14. And then he talks for 10 minutes. It's like, you're not actually using your, like, I understand that there's plenty of problematic passages in the Bible that could be singled out and used to promote problematic things. Uh, And that's, uh, that's essentially what they do, but they do it to an even weirder degree, which is like, You know, your conservative church in the middle of nowhere that's like not trying to be YouTube famous, that's not that pastors live in a simple life. Everyone just kind of chills like they all know each other. Everyone knows each other in town. It's like. They might pull verses out. Of the old Testament or whatever. And just come up with this whole idea about it. It's like, and that's why it's not okay to put your dick in another man's asshole. And you're like, look, that's fine. If that's the direction you're going, I understand like you're, you're reading that specifically and you're coming away with this because you're a simpleton, I guess Uh, (laughs) that's being generous, but like you don't have nuance. You're not interested in academic criticism of the Bible. You're not interested in the way that, you know, the way how we got the interpretations we got. But Greg Locke is even more special in the way that he goes. He just reads a passage from the Bible and then just chooses his own adventure. He Dungeons and Dragons, the motherfucking (laughs) shit out of everything. It's like whatever he's thinking. And that's what I, I think that's what's interesting about inspiring and charismatic preachers who understand, not understand that, that's a poor choice of words, who have memorized a lot of the Bible. And this is like Mark Driscoll too, is what they do is they rant about the things they care about. And then they, when they say a certain thing, they recall a verse that could connect to that. And they go, it's just like it says in James four, three, whatever. And then they just connect it to what they're saying to give validation to their own beliefs and their own ideas. And that's what happened when you know it. Well, you can do that. You you don't have to worry about context. You don't have to worry about nuance. You don't have to talk about how like cultural, cultural norms have changed. Like you could just, you can stream of consciousness rant. And because you've just, you've read the Bible enough or so much that like all these all the verses that confirm your biases are the ones that sear themselves into your memory. You're allowed to then just pull them out on your rants. You're not even, you're not basing your rants off of scripture even, which is what most shitty preachers do. You're basing scripture off of your rants. And that ends up being actually more dangerous. It it moves outside of your like little community where you just like, are insular with your regressiveness, and you move to like viral internet status is what generally happens, yeah. He's Christian Alex Jones, yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: <laughs> there's a lot of things floating around in Alex Jones's head that he can apply to whatever he needs to. yeah <laughs> it's, it's I, just enough credibility to keep the the ruse going,
1: yeah, yep. I guess a lot of people do that too. I guess pop psychology has not helped. Uh, people doing that either but that's more benign let's talk about how benign that is when people talk about you know throw pop psychology into their uh their desire for th- a three-day weekend oh my goodness <laughs> a little more me time jesus christ how could you no it's uh it's always like when it's from the other angle when it's from this like greg Locke angle it's always atrocious
3: Well, uh, last but not least, we need to talk about Greg's movie project, um, which is I mean, I think it's like written and directed by him. And then it's amazing. It ties in a number of douchebags kind of like him. Um,
1: Uh, Can I make one quick point before we move on? It's very quick Um, because it's come up a lot. There's a lot that pops up on google searches there's a lot of people who have pointed it out uh so i just want to mention that like uh he has a lot of political tirades there's been a lot of conversation about his 501c3 status in light of that that it should be taken away which it should be um but greg has stated or had stated that he got an attorney and dissolved their 501 C three status because the government ain't going to tell me what I can and cannot say. So the IRS won't need your stupid tax exempt status. You can put it in a bag and burn it in your front yard for all we care. I renounce 501 C three communism in the church. (laughs) Um, there is absolutely the only respectable thing that he does. Yeah, there's absolutely no record of him denounce renouncing his 50133. There is some there is some question of whether or not he actually did establish himself as a 501c3 and if he's done anything under any normal regulations. But all that would probably be known because 501c3 makes you tax exempt, but the as an organization. But more importantly, uh, it allows your parishioners to file their donations to your organization as tax exempt. Mm -hmm. So we would probably know if they renounced it because a lot of people might have a problem with their donations to the church no longer being tax exempt. and I, I i feel like it would have come up if that actually happened it clearly did not happen um so i i know that's come up a bunch i thought it was worth just making a quick mention of his uh 501c3 status is likely still intact
3: <laughs> boy can dream so his movie is called uh come out in jesus name and let me just read you the the, the storyline here, if you want to call it that.
1: I think I would like to see a good gay twist on this. That would be my. Design. Of course you would.
3: <laughs> Following a startling chain of events, the most controversial pastor in America, Greg Locke, definitely <laughs> he wrote, that himself, wrote that himself for fucking <laughs>
1: sure. You
3: pig. <laughs> took a 180-degree turn from his mainstream religious traditions and led his church into legitimate revival. He and a diverse group of unconventional preachers then began to spark the most important awakening in the history of the Christian church.
1: What what group? A diverse group of straight white men? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they're all
3: white, but... We'll see here in a second. So, uh, through the most unlikely means, by casting out demons. This fiery film documents the beginnings of their journey. While Come Out in Jesus' Name is a 90-minute feature-length film, it also has a special two-hour deliverance edition that includes, as bonus material, it says in parentheses, a historic 30-minute invitation, prayer, and deliverance session led by Pastor Locke, during the March 2023 premiere that became the largest mass deliverance in church history in Jesus name a lock media film <laughs> a global vision bible church production lock
1: media that's new <laughs> founded Wait, in
3: 2023 so, so this whole thing it's him and a couple of other goofball pastors uh one of them is vladimir savchik who he looks like uh he looks like What's what's the bizarre looking dude from the Goonies?
1: I the guy they thought was the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hey, you guys. He looks like hey, you guys. Like started listening to David Goggins and got fit.
3: I have (laughs) no, I have no clue. Um. So he's one of the pastors. One of them is this Mike Signorelli, and. This guy I've seen before, he has some insane TikToks where he talks about like different kinds of demons that can invade your dreams and stuff like that. Like he's out of his mind and it says some really wacky stuff. I love one more.
1: I love the specifics of demonology. That is impressive to me. Like, and then there's this type of demon and they do these things specifically, but then these types of demons. These are the ones that ruin your soups, and you got to watch out for these
3: demons. It's like <laughs> <laughs>
2: they this have so
1: many demons. specifics. They 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 like taking dumps in teacups, yeah. you know. <laughs> and don't watch out for this demon because they will upper decker your toilet. And sometimes these are the most commonly mistaken for ghosts. But remember, ghosts aren't real; they're demons, and their shits aren't real but they still stink and they do sit in the top of your door, and you cannot get rid of them without a interesting combination of uh incenses and essential oils
3: <laughs> though the other pastor on this is uh leon dupree's who god i don't he looks he would look at home in a fedora like One of these guys that's a little too into Peaky Blinders.
1: Like Joshua Harris.
3: (laughs) 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 On the cover of I Kissed Cain Goodbye. (laughs) Dude, they all have like bios in IMDb too. And it's like, ordained as a prophet before birth, discovered at the mere age of 17. This was the moment when Leon Dupreez got saved and delivered through an encounter with Jesus Christ. Leon Dupreez became a living example of the supernatural power of God that was imparted to him during his encounter in the midst of a drug den at 17 he's from uh wow it's like south africa maybe yeah and then uh you know he hosts like prophetic get togethers online or something it's basically like a uh you know a I, zoom, zoom chat exorcism with a bunch so of lunatics
1: zoom exorcisms are the best thing to have come out of the pandemic for sure
3: yeah Oh, I love those Catherine Crick videos where she delivers someone over the computer.
1: Unbelievable. What
3: happens when they
0: lag?
1: Does that affect the deliverance? Like you you get a little
3: (laughs)
0: cross-stream
1: disconnect, you know? It's a good question. You have to repeat those words.
3: Imagine like the stuff that we end up doing with like every guest, but you're trying to deliver them from a demon where you're like, no, hey, can can you hear me now? You got to go go to settings and look at your audio input. Yeah. Is it your head? It's your, it's no, that's your input is what you talk into. Make sure that's on your microphone. Now you that's can't all hear me. Okay.
1: And that's all demons. <laughs> all it's demons <laughs> preventing it from getting set up properly. So they don't get cast out, but they're just never powerful enough to just to fight against the computer settings that are manually selected. It's, tough being a demon in 2023.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You got to be a real, uh, internet wizard to cast them out these days. The greatest thing. Okay. The best thing, if you want to have some fun, good. Just go look up, uh, come out in the name of Jesus clips on, uh, on YouTube. And I was trying to see if I could like get some segments from the movie to, to use as like sound clips or whatever. There's not really much from the movie on there what you find is a whole bunch of videos of people in the movie theater being delivered from demons. <laughs> they go to watch the movie and then the, the, the girl that they came with just starts screaming in the,
1: in, in the regal again, tough to be a demon in 2023. You can't even watch exorcisms without your demons being exorcised. It's wild times out here.
3: Oh my god! I just the, like love the idea of like someone kneeling in the aisle and they've got like gum and old popcorn grease like soaked into their pants and they're just squealing.
1: Yeah. In actuality, it was just like her boyfriend fingering her real good in the back seat of the movie in the back of the movie theater. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Dude, what is with? Oh man, there's so many funny things about like these de- demon deliverance videos. But part of what's hilarious about it is that they're all the same. Like, there's a very yeah. established, oh, yeah. like, script. Meta and, uh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, the process of delivering, a, or, you know, someone from a demon, like, it was storyboarded, like, six years ago, and they all stick to it to a T.
1: Yeah, it's, like, more precise than, like, the events leading up to childbirth. It's, like... <laughs> The demon's six centimeters now. It's six centimeters.
3: <laughs> oh, man. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll is the it.
1: cervix dilated?
0: <laughs> Come out!
1: You gotta wait. You gotta wait until, like, the spirit is dilated eight centimeters, or whatever it is for children. And then you can <laughs> suck the demon out. But only Dear. if you're a Catholic priest. <laughs> It's different if you're evangelical <laughs> or not. I mean, it depends.
3: <laughs> dude, there is this video we were watching earlier of uh the, the headline on the video was like young boy delivered from demon of autism.
1: Oh, my God, dude. I I'm still such, reeling over that. It is such a good video because it's just like this, like this. Goofy looking kid. He's
3: just standing in the park. You know, he doesn't seem like he's totally aware of what's going on. No, He's looking all over the place. He looks very uncomfortable. Yeah. He's just kind of like slouching and sticking his gut out and stuff. It's and then so
1: predatory <laughs> on this. It's like kid.
3: in the name. Of, I think it's Catherine Crick. It sounds like I her think, voice. Dude, I
1: absolutely think it is. I, you mentioned that in her hair and her voice. It's Catherine Crick for certain. <laughs>
3: Dude, everyone in these videos does this long drawn out thing like they really, you know, like soak up their moment in the spotlight and they scream and roll around on the ground and cry and like so there's like you got to struggle a little bit to pull the demon out. This kid she's going she goes in the name of Jesus, I revoke, it. I come out, come out of him, blah blah blah. The kid just stands there and he's like looking around like all confused and stuff and then he goes I'm leaving him.
0: Um, and then
1: he he kind of like looks at her, and he's like,
0: "What just happened?"
1: It's <laughs> unbelievable. It. And he's still just I looking around, kid. like nothing changes about his affect. Nothing. <laughs> he's the same kid before and after exorcism. Act after the exorcism, and everyone is like praising Jesus. That his mom, I think, it's his mom, crying on the ground. She next like collapses to him, that he's been delivered, and it's. So gross
2: it, it's, it's so I ridiculous. actually have seen
1: a couple of things recently where that like things like this have happened where like the deliver you're delivered from the spirit of ex exor- of uh the spirit of autism or something like that. and it's like it's so dismissive of people who like we all know autism's a spectrum, and most people who are diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Being a spectrum, technically, most mostly you could all be on it, and you're just like, after you get to a certain point, it's more noticeable. Uh, but it's like, there's nothing wrong with these people, like, they're just people, and you're trying to cast out their demons so that way they just are more like you. I, dude, there's this kid in my school, he's gonna be a kindergartner next year, preschool. I met with him in preschool, he's reading at a fourth grade reading level preschool. Whoa. Unbelievable. This kid, he blows my mind. I love spending time with him and they go. We're concerned about his social skills. And I meet with him. I play game. I played, we played perfection. We played memory match. This kid tells me about his life, about the songs he likes. I just like, he seems good. I'm not, I don't notice any issues. And they go, well, he doesn't like playing with his peers. I'm like, that's because his peers stupid. <laughs> are taking dolls and smashing them into each other. He doesn't he's like just the that. genius. He's, he's not smart. antisocial. Yeah. He's just way smarter than everyone. <laughs> but he also has that rigidity that comes with autism. So if he gets like splashed a little bit with water, he freaks out. Like there's certain things that make him lose his mind. And it's like, that's how you, diag- you diagnose it based on like, he, this is what like, you know, neurotypical is. And then you have these extremes where it's like, he's incredible at everything academically, but rigid in this way. And that's how you find your way under the autism spectrum. And it's just a way of, you know, diagnosing something, which ultimately medical diagnoses are super helpful in school because it just allows you to get a lot more services uh, and accommodations to help you make like, manage your way through school he's going to need accommodations and services because when he goes to kindergarten he's not going to want to be doing the same thing that other kindergartners are doing and you need to find a way to accommodate his like his abilities uh and help him where he might be falling behind and it's like but all of this is like i thought of that kid as soon as i watched this video where they tried casting out the demon of autism i'm like this kid could be in college by the time he's 12 this could kid could find a fucking cure for cancer
3: if he gets delivered
1: (laughs) if he gets delivered he's just gonna watch nascar with his brother it's like (laughs) come on dude amazing (laughs) that's what it is amazing (laughs) oh my god well We didn't get Jeremiah back. Sorry, Jeremiah. That means your basement. That means he's like doing the backstroke in his basement right now. Probably.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yep. Poor Jeremiah bailing water in the basement. (laughs) But thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, leave us a review wherever you listen to it. Share it with your buddies. Uh, Someone in your life can appreciate this. I, I almost guarantee it we would appreciate the uh, the word of mouth it, it helps a lot and uh, if you're not in the discord yet you really ought to join the discord it's a fun place it's kind of I feel like we're like getting more and more like topic ideas and stuff like that from the conversations in the discord people post a lot of cool interesting useful mostly funny things so it's a good spot come join yeah you can hang out and talk you can lurk doesn't matter it's just a good place to be so do those things and uh oh and our buddy spencer bland his yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. comedy special is out so you can get that on itunes a couple other places just go to his instagram page and he'll uh he'll point you in the right direction but Super funny, very talented guy, and uh, he definitely would appreciate the support. So, that being said, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time.